G'day. Talking about pedagogy with Ryan Shelton, Deputy Principal of Learning at Holy Cross College. This podcast is by teachers for teachers on the art and science of teaching. Holy Cross College is a pre-kindergarten to year 12 Catholic school situated in the metropolitan area of Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished School, the college is a global leader in contemporary 21st century pedagogies that are Christ-centred and student-focused. The college's vision for learning allows for all students to be engaged, challenged and progressing. So welcome to today's episode. I'm really, really excited about today's episode because all of our episodes up to this point in time have had teachers and educators, but today we have the most important stakeholders of pedagogy, and that's the students. And I have for me, uh, with me here today, three stars from Holy Cross. I've got here Ashton from year 10, I've got Yeston from year 11, and Liana from year 12. Welcome to today's podcast. Hi, guys. Thank you, Mr. Shelton. Yeah, I'm really happy to, you know, be part of this. Thank you so much for, for being here. And um, it's the first time on this podcast I've ever been called Mr. Shelton. So um, <laughs> that's exciting as well. So look, today's episode is all about what do you as students want from a teacher? What does good teaching look like to you as a student? We have our theories. We talk about our research, but I want to know today what you guys think. I'm going to ask you a question just to break the ice a little bit at the start. I want you to have a think as I'm asking this question about the coolest teacher story um, that you've ever come across. And FYI, throughout today's episode, please don't mention the names of any teachers for the sake of their uh, dignity. Um, But has anyone got a cool story about a teacher that they can think of? I do History ATAR and in History ATAR we had to learn about 1920s um, in our course content and it was a bit hard to picture what it was like to really go through 1930s Great Depression. So what our teacher did is she actually planned this whole interactive activity where we were in the 1930s and we had by a dice roll, like they were back then, what role we had. So everyone had different amounts of income per week and how we had to spend that to afford for our family. And I found that really, really helped us grasp just how really poor everyone was in that time and how even someone with the most amount of savings could really lose it all. Uh, that's great. Yes, and yeah. Liana or Ashton, anything? I do remember in English particularly, we've been learning about the stolen generation a lot. And we always do this camp in year eight where we go to... Nunosia, and I think that that has been a really good experience because I was talking with one of the teachers there while we were in Nunosia about the stolen generation and I felt that that was really actually going there and seeing the site was really important to us. Sensational. Liana, any cool stories? Well, personally, I think that all the teachers have done amazing jobs trying to be interactive with students and, you know, keep us really engaged. But I'd have to say that one of my favourite interactions with teachers would have to be during um, politics later. We have a lot of things that we have to learn with the different sections of the constitution and a lot of in-depth studying. And one thing that I've really appreciated with my teacher is that she's come up with a bunch of fun little things to help us remember them and little sayings. And so while it's not you know, very specific interaction, a lot of these little interactions with her coming up with ways for us to memorise the constitution has just led to a lot of fun times in class, a lot of, you know, fun interactions that have helped us a lot. Sensational. Look, it would only be fair if I share one of my favourite interactions I've had with a student. 
I had this uh, year eight class once and they were really noisy and it really grated me. And uh, one day I was trying to get them quiet and I did a big three, two, one countdown and there were still some students talking. And I, I said to the class, I said, I'm hearing voices. And one little smart Alex student then just from the back of the room goes, Mr. Sheldon, maybe you should get that checked out. <laughs> and uh, I got absolutely done at that point and I'd lost the class for the, less, the less, rest of the lesson and uh, that was game over for me. Just for our listeners, what do you guys want to do when you leave school? Oh, um, I particularly want to go into drama or dance and musical theatre. I think that that's just really interesting for me. And Ashton, you're in the middle of a production at the moment? Yes, I'm in the middle of Oliver Twist. Um, it's going very exciting, but we're all very tired. <laughs> That's it. Perfect day for a podcast then. What about yeah. you, Yesen? Um, I actually want to go into journalism. So either on the radio or on TV as a news reporter. There you go. Wow. So. Or creating your own podcast. Fitting, yeah. <laughs> and Liana? Right. I'm actually really interested in pursuing law. Yep. I'm not sure the specific type yet. Probably family law, but it all seems really interesting to me. Oh, sensational. So let me ask. Let's, let's, let's talk about it right from the start. What makes a good teacher? Personally, I think that, you know, being a good teacher does have a lot to do with wanting to interact with the students because, you know, as a student, sometimes you can tell when, you know, teachers are just tired, they're just done or when they've almost lost the passion sometimes for teaching, you know, you kind of pick up on it. But I think what makes a good teacher is someone who generally, you know, loves what they're doing, loves overall, even if they aren't particularly loving a specific lesson or class, you know, they still try the interacting with the students a lot. I've always found that really important to be able to feel like we can go to a teacher, talk to them, you know, get advice and help when we need it, even if it feels like a dumb question to us. Because, you know, we don't understand the content while teachers have been studying and teaching it for years. Mm. Yeah, just feeling like you can go to the teacher, interact with them and have a positive interaction. is just, you know, really important to me. Yeah, I definitely think that listening is a very big part of what I think makes a really good teacher. And I think the best teachers I've had have been the ones where a student has gone up to them and said, hey, I've had a problem with this or I'm really bad with this thing or I might hand this in late because of this reason and that they will always try to help that student in any way that they can. And I think if they know what's going on kind of with a student's life a bit more, then they can kind of understand where they're coming from a bit more. Yeah, I would say um, what makes a good teacher would be someone who's really um, involved in the class. One-on-one -on -one time is very important to me. I feel like that really helps me um, understand the topic. And a teacher that is really, really good is a teacher that's so in genuinely interested in the subject and knows knowledge beyond what the course outline requires of them. And um, is genuinely like, if you can ask a question, they bring um, external knowledge into it. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, no, I definitely think that a teacher that is really passionate about it and will listen to you when you're asking questions, even if they're somewhat off topic, they make you enjoy the subject just a lot more because they're catering to what you want to know about it. And yeah, I think context, really context is everything. Yeah, just to um, button, I found that, you know, when a teacher is really passionate about the subject, even if it's not your favourite subject, you really do find yourself enjoying the class. My favourite classes tend to be the ones where the teachers are having a lot of fun, the students are having a lot of fun. We're just all really getting involved, even if it's not our favourite subject or if it's not really easy. Just as long as the teachers are passionate, you know, we can pick up on that and we get passionate ourselves about it most yeah. of the time. It's just a fun class and it really is, you know, a light-hearted, fun environment. How much do you want teachers to entertain you 
versus engage you? Um, I think most teenagers obviously find it very hard to want to focus in class. So I think definitely entertaining us is important, making it fun and engaging. But yeah, actually getting us to kind of do stuff together or do stuff with the teacher will obviously make us want to learn more. So I think engaging and entertaining will kind of go hand in hand in that aspect. Yeah, I I feel like teachers are there to engage you and teach you things. Um, although I know quite a few teachers that do just try and be like the funny teacher, sometimes it really is necessary just to engage the student in the subject. And I think um, that comes with passion and it comes with engagement. Yeah, personally, I feel like there's always a time and place for entertainment. It's always good to try and always actively engage your students, but there are times where it's just not appropriate to be entertaining them, say when there's a big assessment coming up or when it's content heavier or when you're talking about more serious topic in class, such as in history classes or things like that. You know, you have to make sure it's appropriate when you do entertain them. But yeah, entertainment and engagement can easily go hand in hand because you can make engaging things kind of entertaining. You can make it a laugh, something fun. Yeah. When it's a lighter topic or when it's something, you know, a bit easier to get through. Yeah. But yeah, I should think that you should focus on engagement more than entertainment, mm. though, at the end of the day. Because if you do too much entertainment, things go off the track. Yeah. And I think in senior years, definitely. But I just genuinely know that in year seven, eight and nine, I think it's very important for when students aren't really, like, they might be bored in class to so just make it interactive or entertaining like, especially in Hass class, I know when we're learning about law, we've done fake mock trials and that really gets everyone, like, into it. And during a test, when we're remembering that information, we can remember the stuff we did that was entertaining and we found mm -hmm. really fun. Yeah, I agree, Ashton. Yeah. yeah, definitely, especially with the younger years because, you know, when you get to younger years, at the younger years of high school, it's at the stage where you think, oh, school, boring. But at the same time, that's when you need to be the most in you know, you need to get the most enjoyment out of school so that it can continue on to the older years. So, yeah, entertainment, especially for them. But, yeah, in classes where you can do fun activities, definitely do them for entertainment because I have to admit, when in my exams and in my tests, sometimes I remember the fun, you know, joking discussions we've had in class yeah. because of the entertainment that they provide and it helps me to yeah. be engaged. What's the measure of a good teacher? Is it your marks at the end of the year or is there something else, intangible or tangible? Oh, that's really hard. Um, I just, I definitely think I've always gotten the better marks with the teachers I've liked more. And I just think that's because of what I said earlier, how they've engaged me, they've talked to me, they've talked one-on-one -on -one with what I need and what everyone needs. And so they're really caring about their students. Um, but yeah, that's just happened to be a correlation for me. My marks end up being with the teachers I like the most. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like when it comes to being a good teacher, it does have to do a lot with, you know, getting the kids involved, having them enjoy it, because the good grades come from the students actually wanting to do the work. Yeah. I found that for classes I enjoy and teachers that, you know, I really get along with well, I put a, a lot more effort in. Yeah. Just naturally, it's easier for me to yeah. put the effort in when I'm enjoying the class, enjoying the teacher, I'm having fun. So yeah, I feel like it's less about measuring how good of grades the kids get because sometimes you're just na naturally not the best at something. It's the kids being able to come to you, the kids being able to enjoy the class and put the work in, even if they don't yeah. get the perfect grades. And most of the time you want to impress that teacher too. If you know that they're trying their best to help you, then you're like, okay, I'm going to really try my best. Mm -hmm. 
See, um, my opinion on this is that um, when it comes to grades and when it comes to measurable, if a teacher is good or not, um, it is a mix of both tangible and non-tangible. Um, but I wouldn't agree that it's just about the end goal, um, the end mark of the year, but it's more about the amount of growth that you've had that year. Yeah. Because personally, um, like going back to history, like although I'm not getting like the best marks, um, it's more looking at, at it from the perspective of the growth. And I think that understanding comes with under like how good the teacher is, because if your marks are slowly going down, but you're still averaging an 80 percent, um, on statistics, like at the very end of the year, you might think, oh, okay, well, you're still doing quite all right. Where if you're on a 50 going up to a 60, um, it actually shows great improvements the next yeah. year. Even though there might be lower grades, which I really like um, our math program right now because it does at least, they give awards out for whoever grows the most in math pathways. And I think that that's very important because some students may be lower and they still might not be getting A's or B's. They might be getting a C, but their grade has significantly improved and we're recognizing that. Yeah, as someone who is in year 12, I feel like focusing on growth is really important when it comes to teaching and being a teacher. Because at this point, you know, it feels like things are set, but many of us are heading into university or higher education. And even if we aren't, it's really important for us to remain in the mindset that we can improve consistently. And you do definitely need recognition for students when they improve and when they grow, because being recognized is honestly one of the most fulfilling things as well is not just about the grades a good teacher recognizing that you are putting the effort in even if your grade isn't the highest in the class yeah. I feel like that's really important and I felt you know really good and really focused and happy with myself when a teacher's recognized my improvement even if I'm not in the upper sections of the year yeah um I think as a school system um I think we do quite well because highlights aren't just about grades it's about um growth and growth comes with passion and that's what a good teacher needs to be yeah someone who ignites passion geez that's a little mic drop there oh. yes <laughs> <laughs> very good what about when you walk into a class what do you want that lesson to look like what does a good lesson look like okay oh boy um really that does vary a lot depending on what the subject is you know what year group you are in things like that it, along with what point of the year you're at personally I feel like going into a class, what you really want to be seeing and what you really want the class to be like is just, it definitely does need to be productive, you know, because teachers are like, teachers may sometimes focus on just having fun or keeping you entertained, but it does need to be a productive lesson. It does need to feel like you're learning something new, that you're doing something new or that you're reaffirming something you've already learned. Yeah. So I found classes for certain subjects work better if you're mainly focusing on learning a bit and then doing questions, practice questions, revision questions, seeing to um, reaffirm the knowledge, especially in human biology. We often learn bits of content and then we have questions to do it, especially recently. And that's worked really well for me because it does reaffirm the learning. But then for other things like politics and law or humanities subjects, things that more have to do with note-taking and you know, talking through it in class tends to work better. Yeah, I would say um, when it comes to a good lesson walking in is the understanding of whether or not you're going to be learning new course content. Mm -hmm. I know subjects 
such as um, I, I know it happens with the sciences that sometimes it is a lesson where you are going in there and learning new content, but then there's also reflective lessons. And I think those are equally as important, um, especially in ATAR. So I think a good lesson is just having a proper good understanding and also having a good learning intention at the beginning so you can measure how much you've achieved in that one 60-minute period. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I definitely think that making sure that the students are taking, well, good notes because a main thing that I think I missed out on in year seven was I didn't take any notes in year seven. Year eight was when I started realising, okay, what they put on the board, I really need to write down because I had a teacher that told me that. So I did that and everything <laughs> improved. And I think that having, instead of just talking to the class, writing down what they need to know, like Yeston said, having a learning intention at the start so you know by the end what you should have notes on is very key to understanding the actual topic. Yeah, um, slideshows and things on the board, especially when you're learning new content, I find is really important. You can take photos of it, you can take the notes of it. If you're trying to learn new content, I personally appreciate having things written down that I can read off the board as well. But yeah, with classes, there's no set perfect way to teach a class because it really does depend on the circumstances and the individual students. But yeah, I do appreciate interacting sometimes, reflecting other times, knowing what I'm going into and what's expected and what I should be taking out of it. How much do you want a teacher to talk in a lesson? What I found harder is when um, they talk but then don't write any of the stuff down because it's really hard to take notes when you don't know what necessarily you really need to be writing them on. I think it's important that they're explaining everything though. Yeah, because the amount the teacher talks... That is its own kind of thing. It is useful sometimes if the teacher just talks the entire lesson, if it's a lot of content we have to get through. Again, for human biology, we've had lessons where we just spend the entire lesson taking notes on what the teacher says. But that works because we have the slideshows and because we have things written down that we can read as well and you know use different parts of our brain, interact in different ways. But if it's just a teacher standing there speaking, not taking notes, not showing a slideshow, it doesn't really work it's very hard without visuals i think mm -hmm. without having it written on the board knowing the keywords and stuff yeah i completely agree um when you're learning new content in a lesson it's much like reading a textbook and nobody reads a textbook and just reads it from one side to the other do they they look at headings they make notes and they mm -hmm. highlight and you can't highlight something if you're just saying it and you're not actually engaged yeah so i guess what we're mainly saying is that you can talk the entire lesson you can but you need to be able to balance it out with something else as well because it does work sometimes if a teacher just says a bit and then has you doing things for the rest of the lesson. But that's only if the class is actively engaged and, you know, focusing. Sometimes it's better for the teacher to just, you know, go through everything for the entire lesson, have us take notes, but give us something visual to focus on as well. Yeah. There's two schools of thought, all right? Would you rather? We'll play a game of would you rather. Okay. okay? <laughs> would you rather a teacher that just regurgitates knowledge to you, right, Is helps you to consume knowledge? Or would you rather a teacher give you the skills to attain and learn the knowledge yourself? Definitely the second one. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, personally, it is very good for the teacher to be able to give us the information. It can be vital in some areas, but at the same time, we need to be able to learn how to find this information ourselves we need to be able to figure out how to go through the textbooks, teach ourselves, learn ourselves, especially 
in upper years, especially if you want to further study. It's good to have the information regurgitated, but it's also vital that we know how to, you know, learn and find the information ourselves. Yeah, I definitely think for future years that's what I'll need. But right now, right now it's very hard because all I really want is just to know. I want to know the topic. I want to know the information mm-hmm. so then I can do well on the tests and, and exams. But then I also know that in year 11 and 12, it's going to be much harder just learning that stuff. And I'll actually need to know the tools to learn that stuff myself. Yeah, because all really high school is, is like reality is, um, it's not like I'm going to be using my um, my history ATAR knowledge in day-to-day life, but what I will be using is my knowledge of how to actually consume knowledge. So I'd say the second, because in university, everyone's doing a different course, everyone's doing a different thing. Um, and although we might not use all of the content, we are still going to use these foundational, like, features that we've learned in these sort of high school years so I agree with the second one in that we should learn how to make good notes and consume knowledge to the best of our ability now Yeston can I just throw in on that if at the end of the year now you said before that your growth is the most important thing in a class okay if at the end of the year you don't grow by your marks but you are a much better prepared student for life outside of school which one would be the better teacher? Um, well, I guess I, I would choose the second one, the, <laughs> um, the, the better to be to live outside of school because um, Marx is just re- regurgitating information in exams, really, um, where life skills is in play everywhere. It's in work, it's mm-hmm. in home, it's in school, it's everywhere. So I'd probably go with the second one. Yeah, see, that's why I said it's very hard for me because I feel like right now there's such a thing on what marks you get in school and obviously I think that's very important but I feel like I have grown so much this year but my grades haven't grown that much so I'm wondering if maybe I've just grown I'm not necessarily regurgitating the information but I am growing my skills so it's very hard definitely um yeah as again I keep saying this but as a year 12 (laughs) you know we are about (laughs) to go out into the world which is terrifying but I really do agree that it's important that we gain more life skills because I've always felt that school at the end of the day is just to prepare you for life, whether that be through further education or something else entirely. So I feel like there's so many different pathways and different careers that you can go down. The focus on knowing how to just live life and how to go through life and having these life skills is really important because there's so many ways you can go to university, so many ways that you can get a career, but you need to be able to know how to live life as well and how to be, you know, success, how to, you know, have basic life skills in order to be successful and, you know, an interactive member of society in life. Okay, let's, let's see the ship a little, uh, a different direction mm-hmm. now. One of the critical components of teaching is feedback. Yeah. What does good feedback look like? Is it written? Is it verbal? Is it all the time? Is it just after a test? Do you want them to annotate over everything? Do you want them just to sit down and talk to you? What helps you grow the most? What do you expect? That's probably a good question. What do you expect from your teachers, from a good teacher? I'm trying to think of what my like best. Or is it your be. own feedback? Do they teach you how to give yourself feedback? Is that more important? See, I always have the sort of um, regardless of what test it is, and this might um, 
be a bit annoying to some teachers, but I always do make sure I ask for one-on-one feedback for any test. Yeah. Um, and that can come in the form of before school sessions. Um, because when it comes to written, most of the time it's like one sentence and I could get like a 60% and it just says, good job. And that's like, okay, good job. But then what? Um, what's next? What's to come? Where if you do it one-on-one, then you actually get like what you could improve on, how you could form sentences better, especially as someone who does a lot of humanities subjects with a lot of essays. Mm-hmm. Um, essays especially are very much like a way of, oh, how do you pass your point? And you can't always do that in a one-sentence feedback, you know, that all of these teachers are having to mark all of these tests, um, what, like 20 in a class? Um, so that's why I think one-on-one is very important just to reflect on what you've done. Yeah. What some of the highest people in my, like, highest grades-wise people in my grade do is no matter if they get a 90 or even a 98, they will always go and ask the teacher afterwards what could I have done to get that extra percent? And that's something that I've now tried to integrate as I've seen that they get better marks because of that. They're, they don't care if they've got the highest mark in the class. They still want to always improve. But I just think that the the people that get the lower marks, you don't even know that they can do that or should do that. And I think that it's important that a teacher will even just go around to every table and just briefly really talk with every person and say, hey, you lost marks because of this, I think you could have done this better, and get them to write it down so then for the next test of that sort, they know what they can improve on and they know what they have to practice because otherwise no one's going to get better after a test after you've already learned the subject because you're not having more tests on it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, sorry. Um, well, because, yeah, everything is, it's all up to skill set. You could have 10% more on the next test or because they just taught you a skill on how to study or how to... Um, receive information you should never settle for your marks whether your predicted ATAR is 98 or if it's like a 70 Um, you should always aim to have higher and um, think higher of your grades in yourself okay I feel like what I'm about to say may not be a popular opinion (laughs) (laughs) personally I've always appreciated written annotations more for things like essays yeah I know you guys are talking about you know interacting face to face and yeah that is important Mm. but especially in smaller classes or humanities classes or English classes or anything with essays, I've always better appreciated written annotations because yeah. if I'm, when I'm reading through my essay, if I see something that's pointed out, then I can see exactly what they're referring to. Yeah. And it feels easier to see, you know, a line pointed towards something in a sentence just saying, you know, what were you going with here? Or even just a question mark at the bottom of the assessment, making it clear that I'm obviously not being specific enough or clear enough. That helps a bit more with me. But yeah, I definitely feel like you need to talk to teachers as well. And especially when it comes to things where there's a recurring problem or you're consistently not able to do this one thing, such as not enough detail. You keep on getting one question wrong in an assessment. You keep on forgetting certain bits of information wrong. Then you definitely do need to talk to the teacher about it. Yeah. But I feel like for assessment, sometimes you can recognize where you went wrong or you can walk out of it thinking, okay, I know I did that wrong. And, you know, face-to-face interaction isn't always necessary, but it should always be open for the teachers to do it with us. Yeah, I think definitely for written stuff, I completely agree. Having it written down is really helpful. And, but yeah, like what Yestin said, I feel like then the overall thing is just a sentence. So then after that, I would love to read through it and have the written annotations, but then also have a face-to-face conversation so I can really understand where they're coming from. And yeah, that would just help a lot. Yeah, because 
what if you interpreted that question mark at the end of your essay differently to how they were sending it or whatever? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I appreciate written feedback as well. I agree. Yeah, it really does depend on, you know, whether they're specific enough as well, the annotations. Because if it's just very vague ticks or crosses, it's not the clearest in an essay. However, if it's something, even just a few more words sometimes, or you keep, and you acknowledge if they're consistently doing something wrong, that works out quite well. But for more maths and science problems, oh, um, with math problems, I do appreciate sometimes if they show the proper working out, if it's a question that a lot of students got wrong, because then I can look at that and go, oh, so that's what I did wrong, and move on. What's a bad teacher look like? <laughs> What would be an ineffective teacher? You, you, this is your chance, right? Teachers, listen to this podcast. Do not do X, Y, Z. What are the things you don't want a teacher to do? You can make like a list or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pull the list out. I feel like we're going to get in trouble yeah. for this. The first, <laughs> the first thing I can think of is just on any test that you give back, any, any test, don't just put a X. And if you know multiple people are getting these questions wrong, give back the same test but with the answers on it because how are they supposed to you know, know what, where they've got gone wrong Mm -hmm. if you haven't shown them where they've gone wrong yeah one really frustrating thing for me is when teachers say oh the majority of the class did this wrong but then they don't tell us how to do it right because (laughs) obviously there's been some kind of disconnect with us as a group and something just hasn't managed to click and so when the teacher just says oh you did it wrong and kind of scolds us or tells us off it without giving any constructive feedback or say okay and here's how you do it right Mm. to me it just feels like they're not bothering or they've given up on the class. I think commitment is a big thing to the class. Um, like one of, my, one of my classes, which is going to remain nameless. Um, <laughs> uh, like I know I just had my exams and for like we uh, like it's a class that um, quite a few people do. It's not like a class of like four. But um, we were wanting an exam revision seminar and we asked on multiple occasions, but they just said that they didn't have enough time. And I feel like if you're not bringing that commitment to the class, then like there's not really that expectation that we're actually going to do very well. Because if it isn't like it's just one person, it's it's a consensus that I think we need this sort of revision. And even like a weekly... um, sort of revision um, group for the class. Even people could pop in and out for certain subject, for certain assessments. I think that would really help. And also um, just in general, like commitment in other areas. Like if you come to the class and um, put on a keynote that says 2019 um, subject two, <laughs> it's like, oh, that was, wow, that, that's definitely still from our curriculum, isn't it? Um, so yeah, just making sure you're constantly like updating content and that sort of thing as well. Uh, yeah, definitely. And also with the commitment, I hate feeling like I'm an annoyance. Yes. <laughs> I hate yeah. feel like, feeling like if I go up to a teacher for help, I'm just wasting their time or frustrating them. I hate feeling like, you know, if I get something wrong, then I'm just upsetting or annoying the teacher. Because yeah, like you're yeah. in the wrong. Yeah, like if I get it wrong, then I've just disappointed the teacher. I've just... Yeah. screwed up because you know it should be about growing instead of feeling like I've screwed up I'm done I've annoyed the teacher they're not going to want to see me for the rest of the week yeah that's why I definitely feel like the teachers should take a bit more just initiative because lots of students do want to talk to them about how they can get their grades up but they don't want to be bo- a bother they don't know if they can they don't know if they should they don't know what questions to ask I think it's really important that a teacher will actually come up to them and tell them what they need to improve on 
Yeah, but I also think it's important to acknowledge sometimes that students may not necessarily want or need yeah. the feedback at the time. Mm. Yeah. Because it is a fine line because sometimes students want the feedback but are too scared to. Other times the students see fully where they went wrong. They and they just, just want to deal with it. Yeah, or maybe they're even upset over it and they need some time to. Yeah. No, before going into it. Because sometimes teachers can be a bit too much with the feedback as well. And it is a fine line because, you know, you need the feedback. But at the same time, you can be a bit sensitive <laughs> about yeah, it. Yeah, especially after a really bad score and they want to give you feedback. It can be a bit hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also um, the whole the whole um, topic of teachers, I feel like this is a whole, um, a whole thing where teachers just believe that their subject is like the only subject that you do. <laughs> yep. Oh, like, yeah. As someone, I don't do 6 A's hard, but... Um, imagine doing six A's hard and then one of your teachers is giving you like four worksheets every night. And I understand that um, we need to absorb information and do homework, but um, if, sometimes those really committed students, if they don't do the homework, it's not a personal attack. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just that there was an English assessment that day or a test. Yeah. Like we, do, we, we don't prioritize our subjects in a very... Um, like a certain way to have a vice against um, a certain subject. But sometimes, um, like, the understanding of the teacher that, yes, um, although to you it seems really easy, um, yeah. as, as a, what, 16-year-old doing 5A tower, it is quite difficult, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, two things. I agree completely, yes, and I've had lots of teachers which, to them it sounds very easy to set one hour of homework, but then if every other class that day sets one hour of homework, I have six hours of homework, to do after six hour school day. So that's 12 hours of work. I'm just not willing or ready to do. I might have stuff, I might have dance, I might have production practice. I might have something to do that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the older years, teachers need to be a lot more understanding. Not all teachers, but like specific mm-hmm. teachers can sometimes you know, give too much work as well. Because I think that homework is necessary especially for classes where you're learning new content or like content you really need to know how to apply it and connect it to each other and stuff like that. But there is such a thing as too much homework and too many Mm. questions and too much being expected of students because sometimes you have three assessments over the next day and you're just not going to have the time to do that extra work and study and the teachers need to be a bit understanding. And the quality might drop in those as well. Mm -hmm. Like you... Um, if you want them all done tomorrow, then I'm going to have to spend 30 minutes instead of like the two hours. Yeah, exactly. Needs. Like even things like extended answers. Um, if there's four extended answers, I'd rather do one really good one than a yeah. couple of random ones where I restate my sentence four times. <laughs> one other way that I think teachers could definitely teach better that I've realized in some classes that once again will go unnamed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Sometimes teachers forget that we haven't heard of a subject before, we haven't done it, and they'll teach it like it's revision. They'll be like, so you remember, and then that does that, and that does that. We're like, we have no idea what those words mean, even. I have no idea why that does that. I have no idea where it comes from. Like, especially for science right now, and like in bio, it's it's very, it's not necessarily hard, but there's a lot to remember. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I just really need it in depth of exactly what's happening. Well, I'm going to start landing the plane now. A couple of fun quick fire questions at the end, okay? Yeah. How much do you reckon teachers earn? What do you reckon a teacher gets paid? I'm really bad with money. Not so enough. Answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm Give me say a number. What do you reckon? No. What does the average teacher earn? Um, I don't even know how much most jobs get paid. <laughs> like 50 grand a year? I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping it's like a good 80. 
but like I feel like mm. I know that they're like not. Paid I know they're not paid much enough. for um because obviously their like wage only accounts to six hours a day. <laughs> where reality is, it's a bit more than that and when it comes to marking, marking and, and lesson planning. And even when you just think about the six hours a day, it is definitely a bit lower. I've had a lot of complaints from teachers, from students, from many people about it being far yeah. too low. But I don't know the specific That's because number. teachers should be earning $300,000 a year. Oh, obviously, <laughs> yes, completely. And uh, how much work do you reckon teachers do at home? I think that they do a lot. Yeah. Well, depending on the... Depending on the if it's that subject. 2019 keynote teacher, maybe <laughs> not. But um, yeah. I think I think some some of them really do put yeah. the time and effort in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, figuring out lesson plans, figuring out assessments, writing them or editing them, marking them, especially for the larger classes, or if it's a really complicated, specialized, smaller class. It's just it is a lot of work at home, probably more than. They even spend at school doing yeah. work. Also, I know that um, I know that each teacher has to do a certain amount of like extracurricular hours or what whatever. But like the teachers that do the production and the teachers that do like the sleep out and the fundraising, I think put in quite a bit more effort yeah. and still get the same amount of money. So I'm like, mm, <laughs> definitely okay the production then. teachers. They put yeah. in so much effort. <laughs> production teachers every like, year, every single weekend, mm. going out and getting costumes and whatnot. But yeah, I've definitely noticed that you know the teachers who are really good, really trying to interact with the students, they put in so much work and effort and energy. And they're definitely not getting all the recognition or pay that they deserve for it. Yeah. What do you reckon teachers do in their offices? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think they talk about students. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, I would about, like some difficult people or something like that. I do. I do think that. They probably don't say difficult. They probably word like unique. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm <laughs> very unique person in my class. <laughs> mm-hmm. You yeah. probably definitely warn each other about different students coming into your classes. Yeah. I think. Definitely I think teachers, teachers are a lot closer. Around. I think teachers are a lot closer than um, I originally thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. It's definitely one of my favourite things, seeing some teachers really be, like, best friends. Yeah. <laughs> There's two teachers that are the best friends. They will talk about their dogs. Like, oh, they yes, each other. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you're my favourite. Okay, final yeah. question. Um, and this is more a serious question for each of you. If you could mm-hmm. say one thing, one final bit of advice to the teachers that listen to this podcast or principals or school leaders, what would be your one thing that you want to say? This is your chance. Well, what I would see that's the thing is that I I feel that all of the teachers that are actually like actively listening to this podcast and have sat through all of our feedback, I mean, they're already the one step above anyway. Like they've already put in this effort. So what I'd say is just like keep on doing what you're doing. Like obviously this podcast is there to help or um, whatever inform. And if you're here right now, then that means that you're taking that active initiative. So good job, I guess. Yes, and you're a superstar. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, good job. <laughs> I would say, like, just genuinely talk to each one of the students. Maybe not each one, but talk to the quiet ones, talk to the ones that are doing the best, talk to the ones that you think need a bit of help. Just see what they need, talk to them, get to know them, get to know their hobbies. Like, it'll definitely help them want to learn more in your class if they know that you care about them and who they are and their hobbies and passions. And I've definitely seen that a lot, even with teachers that have never taught a student, the more they've gotten to know them, the closer their bond is and then the more they respect them. I think that's really, really important. Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree with both of them. And yeah, if you're listening to this and you're obviously one of the student teachers that we love, you're one of the ones that really care about your students, one of the ones that your students probably love in turn. 
And but yeah, focus on having a relationship with the students. Focus on trying to be positive towards them, encourage them, recognize their faults and flaws, but also make sure to remind them of what they're good at as well. Because students yeah. are going through a lot of turmoil and they really do appreciate positive bonds and connections. And that really does push them to put a lot of work and effort in because we enjoy the class and making you proud. Yeah. As a teenager, you need that motivation and you need that support. Yeah. But yeah, just don't judge them. Be there, be positive. Even if it feels like a dumb question, just take it seriously. Take them seriously because... You know, we're learning this content for the first time, even though you may have years yeah. of experience with it. As young adults, you need to be taken seriously to want to actually try your best. If you're not taken seriously, then you're not going to put in the effort. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Liana, Yeston, Ashton, this goes down as, at to this point, my absolute favourite podcast episode oh, so yay. far. Thank you so much you. Um, for sharing. And I know that our listeners will have got a lot out of today's episode. Um, the three of you, your wisdom today, and for our listeners, we didn't prep this. We are just <laughs> yeah. talking and I just kept yeah. throwing doozies at you and you just kept talking off the cuff um, and your wisdom is sensational. So congratulations and it must be something to do with your school, I, I must oh, say. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so thanks for being on us, okay. our episode today. Thank you Thank for you. letting us on. If you know of any awesome educators that we should have on this podcast, please reach out. Thanks for listening to the Talking About Pedagogy podcast from Holy Cross College. Be sure to find us at holycross.wa.edu.au and follow us on Twitter. Goodbye, God bless, and thank you for being my friends.